0: The most anticipated debut. Looks for the change, and he'll pick up the first down on 4-15. And now you know what all the excitement's about. This guy can make something out of nothing. You see that? Wow. The XTV College Football Show with Andy Singleton. That is what people pay money to see. You know that? That is why people are just... Drake to the bottom of the screen. He's your star. He's your difference maker. All right, here we go. Another episode of the Good Instincts College Football and NFL Draft Podcast hosted by Expand the Box Score, Hosted by me, I am your host, Andy Singleton, on Twitter, at People's Pen. Those of you following me, appreciate it. Those of you new to this, appreciate you checking it out. The audience seems to be growing, so I'm going to continue doing this. I'm having fun doing it. Hopefully, you're enjoying these, getting something out of it. And today, I'm going to be diving a little bit deeper into the wide receiver position. Last week, I, I went a little bit more thorough with the running backs. Today, it's going to be wide receivers. Next week, will be quarterbacks and tight ends. Then maybe the following week, we'll do some defense. Then we'll just kind of maintain things as we go and continue the uh, 2021 to 2022 season season into bowl season into the senior bowl then into the nfl draft so got some exciting guests lined up in the future uh, most notably uh jim nagy found uh not founder a uh, runner organizer host uh, manager president of the senior bowl right now uh, for the last couple of years and then uh, my man ray garvin better known as ray gq on twitter so uh, other guests lined up as well, but those are the two most notables I'm trying to get on in the next couple of weeks. So a lot to look forward to, a lot coming up uh, on board, a lot lot of things in the works and in the mix. So continue to support this by checking it out, rating it, you know, giving a review, if you will. Uh, greatly appreciate all the support we can get. And let me ask you real quick before we get into this. How come you haven't subscribed or checked out the Expand the Box Score advanced data sets yet? I mean, we got the most extensive advanced data. Statistics for college football, including IDP, that you can find for the price that we uh, afford you with. It's twenty-five dollars for a full season, a full annual subscription. That's three hundred and sixty-five days a year. So go check out expandtheboxscore.com right now and see for yourself what I'm talking about. All right, like I said, a loaded show. A little bit of a new format I started last week, getting into some news and notes from around the college football landscape. Then I will get into the wide receiver position followed up by my updated top 10. And then my week six, Saturday six pick, going through six games against the line and what I see just off of gut instinct alone. So let's get into things around the league, around the the college football scene. Trey Potts, Minnesota sophomore running back, out for the season. This has turned into a very bizarre and unfortunate story. Uh, I mentioned the Minnesota running back was thriving in the absence of Muhammad Ibrahim, who's lost to uh, a season-ending injury. But the story is still unclear. Uh, the injury still not been revealed. Head coach P.J. Fleck declined comment on if it's a career-ending injury or not. Uh, he was hospitalized after the game in Indiana, remained in Indiana in the hospital for a few days after, didn't travel with the team. Uh, so it's really kind of a bizarre what's going on and, and what exactly – the injury he suffered was and, and what happened but uh you know prayers up for the youngster he was really doing well in in his role hopefully you know he can get back to this hopefully he's not a career-ending injury really uh, mystified as to what this could be but minnesota uh next up is appears to be freshman marquise irving and you know, the golfers funneled the majority of their rushing attack through one running back. Potts was averaging nearly 30 carries per contest prior to his injury. The same was true of Muhammad Ibrahim, who he replaced. So let's see what happens for Marquise Irving. The thing I always alluded to with Potts was it's one thing to be given the opportunity. It's another thing to thrive in it. So uh, it's easier said than done. But Marquise Irving, the freshman, appears to be next up. And if he can, as especially as a freshman, especially in the Big Ten, if he can – Come close to maintaining those thirty carries and over hundred yards per game, as Ibrahim and as Potts were. He's going to be a name that everybody's going to be flocking to, just based on the youth uh, that he possesses right now. So keep a name, keep an eye, keep a watch on Marquise Irving, Minnesota running back, and see what what transpires there. But other news: the Eric King, Miami new New Miami quarterback transferred from Houston. He's now opted out for season-ending shoulder surgery. It paves the way for redshirt freshman Tyler Van Dyke to remain the starter. Van Dyke is yet to throw an interception, but he's only one and one as the starter for the Hurricanes. So uh, this should be the future. Manny Diaz is in somewhat of peril in Miami running the program. Uh, with the hurricanes there. This was supposed to be the savior. It's not turned the corner for the hurricanes, so to speak, at this stage. This is if you know anything about me, my childhood team growing up. I was a Miami fan. Uh I, I've been hoping for good things. I going back, I wanted Randy Shannon to stay. I thought he could be the savior, but they ran him out. And now Manny Diaz came in and just everything with his father, you know, being in politics in Miami, uh, his history with the program. He really thought maybe this could be the guy. If he can't do it, I really don't know what's going to get it done in Miami going forward. Uh, It's really kind of sad to see how mediocre this program has become. Every time you think they're about to turn the corner, they don't. De'Ara King was not somebody I really thought was going to be, you know, a Heisman candidate or really NFL draft worthy at the quarterback position. But he did bring the experience and the repertoire to be able to get this program back to winning. Uh whether that was a 11 and 1 season, a 10 and 2 campaign, you know, anything in that realm right now is going to be great for Miami and they just can't even get that. So Let's see what Van Dyke can do. He's now got the reins, and uh, maybe never looks back from this. I mean, this this was the you know the product they brought in, the prospect they brought in to be the product, uh, to be the guy that can lead the charge. So he's gonna get an advanced start and just thrust and thrown into the fire. We'll see what happens. All right, Wisconsin running back Jalen Berger. Berger. I don't know if it's Berger or Berger. I'm gonna go Berger because. Uh, most times I see this name as Berger. But Wisconsin running back Jalen Berger has been dismissed from the program. No reason has been given, so I have nothing more for you on that. Of course, some of the big news this week was LSU stud wide receiver Kayshawn Boutte out for the year. The sensational sophomore was tied for the national lead with nine touchdown receptions. In addition, he had 509 yards receiving on 38 receptions. Kind of gruesome scene. He was carted off the field with being with what is being labeled as a lower leg injury. Uh, more details on prognosis for his recovery to come, but he is now out, has been ruled out for the year. So no more bootay for us as fans watching this year, uh, which is sad because this is really one of the emerging wide receiver talents in the, in the, in the entire nation. Uh, but perhaps, um, I'd say easily the biggest news of the week was the benching of Oklahoma quarterback Spencer Rattler. This was the preseason favorite of many to be the number one overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. Uh, despite the Sooners remaining undefeated at 6-0, and their wins have all been nail biters. I mean, I've had them picked to be upset three times in six weeks now, and they somehow managed to escape. Uh, West Virginia, most notably, was the one that had them on the ropes the best so far, but... Uh you know, this has gone as far as the home crowd calling for his replacement, and Saturday freshman Caleb Williams got thrust into action, led the Oklahoma comeback over Texas in the Red Rival Red River rivalry. Yeah, I, I challenge you to say that three times fast. Red River rivalry. So Sooners came back, led by Caleb Williams. I've seen some astute people on Twitter commenting on this, and this is, you know, pretty pretty matter of fact. Spencer Rattler is a pure pocket passer. And this offense is much more suited for a mobile signal caller, which is exactly what Caleb Williams provides, and it was on display in Saturday's comeback over Texas. It will be interesting to see how this plays out, where Rattler ends up if he does indeed seek the transfer portal. Uh, I mean, it's a tremendous fall. Maybe one of the biggest falls we've seen in all of college football in quite some time, that in just a few short weeks, six games, six weeks, a month and a half, this guy was literally – in in many circles, considered to be the favorite for the Heisman, considered to be the favorite for the number one overall pick in the draft, and now he's out as the starter for nothing other than performance. Um, You know, this is not a knock on Spencer Rattler's talent, but as I said, he's not really made for this system. It was kind of a a little questionable when he ended up at Oklahoma based on what they've been in the past. So, uh, Caleb Williams, I I don't see them going back to Rattler at this point with – as much as it took to bench him um i can't see them retreating at this point especially with what Caleb Williams showed and as good of a prospect as he was and as much as 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 much more of a better fit as he is for the sooner system uh, i think it'd be hard to backtrack from this i mean maybe out of courtesy out of respect there'll be another start for Rattler I tweeted out he he we were watching him become Taysom Hill in front of our very eyes. He got benched for Caleb Williams and then came in on a two point conversion attempt. So that was kind of like, uh, you know, salt in the wound, if you will. Uh, at, at least you know from my perspective. But uh, Spencer Rattler, I personally believe he's going to enter the transfer portal. I personally believe he's going to wind up going somewhere else. With uh, as much has been made with the waivers being processed for, uh, waivers being given for. Transfers uh, with everything that's gone on in the last two years with COVID and all the, the the changes to the transfer portal. So many players entering it now. Uh, I think he'll you know be able to get on the field immediately next year, which means I think he will wind up somewhere just to put it all back together. Uh, so where he winds up is going to be, you know, the storyline that is going to be of a lot of great interest for me and I'm sure many of you as well. But that's the news for this week. So hopefully, um, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll follow some of these stories. But uh, I, I think Caleb Williams, the Spencer Rattler controversy, uh, and then the Marquise Irving at Minnesota are, are the two biggest or the three biggest names to watch right now. All right. Before we get into the wide receivers, how about a little word from one of our sponsors? Why aren't you checking out Thrive Fantasy? Go check them out. And here's why. One of the hottest trends in sports gaming is prop bets. Now, in recent years, daily fantasy sports has boomed as well. Thrive Fantasy is combining the two and expand the box score is the perfect complement for that. Thrive Fantasy sets it up for you to enter a contest of your choosing and then create a lineup of 10 prop bets out of a list of 20 choices. Hit the most props and rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive Fantasy has over 140,000 guaranteed in prizes for NFL Week 1 and has awarded over 4 million in cash prizes to date. These aren't some Johnny-come-latelys. They're the leader in prop betting DFS. Thrive Fantasy's featured $100,000 guaranteed contest is just 20 bucks to enter and first place takes home $20,000 what's better XTV's advanced stats databases allow you to truly search for trends and nail those props down we're so confident our tools can help that we're giving you a free subscription to our NFL database when you deposit $10 or more in your new Thrive Fantasy account and enter a contest even more than that Thrive will give you a 100% deposit match bonus on your first $100 spent so what do you have to lose Go to thrivefantasy.com to check them out for yourselves, and don't forget to use the code XTB when you make a deposit for a bonus gift from us at Expand the Box Score. All right, well, coming back from that break, let's get into the wide receivers. As I mentioned last week, I went over running backs, uh, most notably my top five. I, I went as far as six for current draft eligible players. Gonna try to do the same thing for wide receivers this week. This is my favorite position—a scout. But by far the toughest to dissect at this point in the season, you have this the statistical wonders who look great on paper, but aren't high on you know the consensus draft boards. You have the stud athletic prospects who are still looking for the production to add to the resume, and then you have some big name guys who are currently sidelined with injuries, such as George's George Pickens. So, as Peter Howard said when he guested on the show uh, in episode two, there are so many mouths to feed at the wide receiver position in an offense that we get a whole bunch more to analyze and dissect. You have to really dig a lot deeper than just the production. And with this being such a deep position, for the interest of time, I'll I'll just keep it to, you know, the top five players so far statistically, followed by my range of top five currently, how I would rank them for the draft, and then some other names to know that aren't really getting uh, as much buzz as I think they should so far. So hopefully that sounds fair. And the top five so far to this point in the season production-wise. Number one, Calvin Austin, the senior out of Memphis. He's got 48 receptions for 837 yards, eight touchdowns. He's a five-foot-nine, 160-pounder. He's putting together an Anthony Miller-type season. If you remember Anthony Miller, similar size, similar player at Memphis, uh, put up phenomenal production and numbers. Memphis has consistently been one of the better offensive programs, especially from the running backs that we've seen in, in recent years. Uh, that seems to be continuing. They have a freshman running back now who's been putting together a pretty nice season. A freshman quarterback, and then the the senior Calvin Austin at the wide receiver position leading them. So uh, I don't think this is I don't think this is a, a player that you necessarily look at and say eh, he's a complete write off. But based on the school, I should say. But I do think we need to draw some comparisons to Anthony Miller because. The wide receiver position hasn't necessarily been the same as what they've put out at running back, if that makes sense. But Calvin Austin certainly putting it done, uh, getting it done on paper. Drake London, not only is he doing it production-wise, but he's one of these top five prospects on most people's draft boards. He's clearly in my top three. I'll get into him in a moment. But 6'5", 210, finally emerging in his third year for USC. Uh, I know people are going to say, well, he sat behind a couple others ahead of him at USC. But you know what? Talent wins out, so I'm not entirely sold on that. So I do want to say he's finally emerging in his third year. Listen, this kid has a high floor and maybe a higher ceiling than what we've seen so far. He's leading the nation with 64 receptions. He's got 832 yards and five scores. So phenomenal, phenomenal production across the board. Phenomenal frame and size. Elite program for wide receivers. There's really nothing to dislike about Drake London. I just saw a tweet earlier before recording that he currently has 18 contested catches on the year, uh, according to PFF, and the uh, most ever in a season on the college level since they've been tracking that is 22. So at the midway point of the season, he's on pace to not just beat it, but shatter the contested catch uh, mark previously of 22. He's already at 18. So uh, just phenomenal all around with Drake London. Like I said, I'll get into him in a moment with my top five uh for draft purposes. Number three, statistically, Josh Downs, North Carolina. Only a sophomore, 49 receptions, 741 yards, seven touchdowns, 510, 180. I love the size. He currently owns a 41.7% dominated rating. And what, you know, you could label a very stats-friendly offense at North Carolina. This is uh this is a program um that that with Mac Brown, you know, we saw it at Texas. Turns out, production for players with the wide receiver kind of similar to what I said about Calvin Austin. Going back, I mean, look at what North Carolina had last year with the two running backs and Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Then you look at what they had with the two receivers and Diami Brown and Daz Newsome. So far, and I know it's a little bit of, of more of a learning curve for the wide receiver position transitioning than it is for the running backs. I love Diami Brown. I still think there's a, a lot of high upside for him. I thought Daz Newsome was going to make more of a splash this year. wounds up, you know, had a decent preseason. Was starting to make some noise in training camp. Then winds up getting cut. So, uh, listen, some sometimes there's hollow numbers in college where somebody looks great on paper and then just is is not that same type of. Uh, Thought of as that same type of prospect, so Josh Downs, though, I think can buck that trend. I think he might ultimately be better than both Diami Brown and Daz Newsom, just a sophomore currently. You know, the leader of that offense uh, with Sam Howell still his quarterback throwing on the ball. So Josh Downs definitely a, a name to know for your future. All right, number four in production, Jareth Stearns, Western Kentucky junior, in five games, fifty six catches, seven hundred forty one yards, seven touchdowns. This kid is 5'9, 190 pounds, extremely. And when I say extremely, I, I have this uh, in all caps and bolded in my notes extremely productive FCS career before transferring to the Hilltoppers. He had, listen to this number, he had 220 receptions in just 27 career games. And now he's continuing that output on the FBS level. So, Western Kentucky, another one of these programs that's always been kind of prolific. In as far as an offensive team, especially in the passing game, this year is no different. They are just one and four on the season. But as you saw, they they went toe to toe with UTSA this past week. Uh, really, you know, can put points on the board. Jared Stearns is a huge reason for that. I'm kind of curious to see what happens uh, as far as when he becomes declares himself for the draft he is a junior so theoretically he is draft eligible but i don't know he seems to be more one of those guys that'll go back for his senior year but when you look at what he did at the fcs level now he does it at the fbs level say what you will about the programs he's been in but you know production speaks for itself and when you're that productive that's saying something so i definitely think jared stearns is is one of these names that the stats are not as hollow as you know people might be thinking right now and finally, statistically-wise, statistically, statistically wise, I have to say these words slow sometimes, slow myself down to get the proper enunciation. But number five, Tyrese Chambers, Florida International, sophomore. Only 20 receptions, but those 20 receptions have gone for 672 yards and six touchdowns. He had a major week this past week, 201 yards and two touchdowns on just three catches. This guy could be developing into something here. I mentioned him a couple weeks ago when I was talking about his uh, his teammate Bryce Singleton, also a wide receiver there. And I mentioned Tyrese Chambers might be the better uh, product and, and and better prospect. Six foot, one hundred eighty five pounds, has that breakaway burst and speed, and uh, really showing some prolific uh, some prolific things. And Florida International isn't necessarily a hotbed of football talent, so. Uh, Tyrese Chambers might be uh, somebody that, a a sleeper from an under or an overlooked program. Not underlooked. Oh, maybe underlooked. Underlooked? Can you say underlooked? I guess you can. An underlooked and overlooked Florida international program might have a sleeper here in Tyrese Chambers. So those are your top five statistical leaders at the wide receiver position so far this year. And transitioning now into my current top five prospects, for the wide receiver position, if the NFL draft were today. I still think number one has to be Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. I mean, you just look at the pedigree. You look at the production. Um, it's just all there. But it's, it's really, really, really close at the top, like razor thin for me right now with Garrett Wilson and Drake London. As I mentioned before, Drake London, just when you look at the size, when you look at the contested catch ability, when you look at the production, how he's putting it all together, again, the Pac-12 is – uh, definitely improved this year than where they've been in recent years. So I definitely think it's against better competition. I do believe in what Drake London is doing right now. I, I have it neck and neck with Garrett Wilson and Drake London. When you look at the size, the speed, the, the, the ability to be an alpha receiver and a dominant one at that. Uh, I like Wilson and London at the top of my board, moving down to number three. I have Traylon Burks at three right now from Arkansas, just because this is a, a, a physical specimen of, I mean, this might be the closest thing we've seen at the position to Calvin Megatron Johnson uh, in quite some time. Um, I'm not comparing him to Calvin Johnson. I'm just saying, you know, vibe-wise, just the enormous size and sheer athleticism that this man possesses. Uh, he's got that type of upside in his wheelhouse If it can all come together So far it hasn't Arkansas is definitely an improved program I think we can all agree that KJ Jefferson Is a better quarterback Than you, you know what people might have wanted to have labeled him uh, Prior to the last couple of weeks And what he's been able to do um, Much better passer Not just a rusher uh, Capable of doing it all uh, And he's got good size as well So KJ Jefferson might be you know More in that Cam Newton mold uh, Josh Allen if you will But Traylon Burks definitely could be something humongous. But, you know, at the same time that you say he could be Calvin Johnson, he also could be Stephen Hill. So there's a, there's a wide spectrum of outcomes there. But Traylon Burks definitely uh, has massive upside. And I, it's definitely on everybody's radar. He also does, I, I've mentioned in the past, give me some type of a feel of a Laquan Treadwell. So um, this is... A very wide range of outcomes, but Trelon Barks is definitely somebody that's going to get drafted high. All right, number four. All right, number four. I'm going with George Pickens. Now He hasn't played a single down this year. Talked about it before. If Georgia gets this guy back, this is a legit one of the top receivers in the country, and Georgia might get that back to what is already the best team in the nation. So uh, George Pickens, he's going to come back. At the right time, he's going to come back for the final couple games. He's going to be around for the, you know, for the uh, SEC uh, championship. He's going to be around for the college football playoff. If he can have any type of impact coming back from his injury, he's going to immediately put himself back front and center on everybody's, you know, top of the wish list. So George Pickens, uh, nothing to report on this year, but looking like he's going to be back uh, sooner than later uh, towards the, you know, the, the last third last quarter of the season, which is rapidly approaching. We're at the midway point now. So keep an eye on George Pickens and, and how he looks in his return and, and what that might mean for his uh his draft status. All right a five. I have Chris Olave penciled in here. I really don't love Olave as much as maybe I should. Um just feels like another one of these Ohio State guys that you know like Maybe I'm just burned by, you know, Devin Smith being drafted by the Jets and never really turning out, panning into anything. But he feels more like Devin Smith than he does Terry McLaurin to me. And I know Garrett Wilson's in the same offense, so it's hard to say that, oh, well, you know, they're sharing the ball and they have other guys there as well. You know, when I had Paul Duncan and, and Mitch on at the beginning of the season, we we wax poetic about the Ohio State Buckeyes receiving core, and just how deep and talented it is. So it's not just Garrett Wilson that he's sharing the load with. It's, it's a whole slew of, of other names as well. So um, it's it's not that Olave is not talented. I just think he's more of a, of a one-trick pony of that deep threat, a field stretcher, which is great and is going to be useful and needed, but I can't see that vaulting him into you know one of those top three, even four spots. So I have him currently at number five. And I'm going to throw a little bonus in of six and seven because I do think David Bell needs to be considered the Purdue standout uh, because he's definitely one of those guys in that alpha kind of role with his size and his ability. And I'm going to throw a dark horse in there with a guy I spotlighted a couple weeks ago, Jalen Cropper of Fresno State, really becoming something dynamic. Um, You know, as I mentioned when I I highlighted him or put the spotlight on him, this is the best – thing to come out of Fresno State at that position since a guy named Devontae Adams, who by and large is the best receiver in the NFL. So don't overlook Fresno State. Don't overlook what can come out of that school and out of that program. His quarterback, Jay Kaner, it, it just reminds me too much. There's too many parallels to when it was Derek Carr and Devontae Adams and now Jalen Cropper and Jay Kaner. So don't overlook Jalen Cropper as maybe being able to sneak into the top five when it's all said and done. Uh, I know all the, the bigger name schools, especially the SEC guys, are, are going to be up there front and center, but we always have one of those smaller school guys that pops up. My, Of course, my personal favorite has been Jalen Tolbert of South Alabama. That's one of my bonus names to add to you. But Jalen Cropper and, or, or Jalen Tolbert, I mean, you got two Jalens here that if I was betting on a, on a first name to sneak into the top five, it would be Jalen because be, out of Cropper and Tolbert, I think one of them has a legit shot of – Jumping into the top five receivers that we see drafted, which means they could be a first-round pick because we've seen as many as five easily drafted in a year. So, top five is a really great spot to be. You don't have to be the number one overall wide receiver to be to have a lot of value and a lot of you know uh, shine in your star. So, all right, those are those are the uh, top five currently of 2022 draft eligible wide receivers and how I have them ranked. Some bonus names I mentioned: Jalen Tolbert, South Alabama. I'm going to also add Romeo Dubes of Nevada. I'm going to give you Devin Tompkins out of Utah State, who is a little smaller but just been wildly consistent this year, basically putting up 100 yards and a touchdown every week. Uh, Another bonus name, Wondell Robinson. One of the big reasons Kentucky is surprising the nation with their record right now is because their offense has been led by the resurrected Wandel Robinson. Remember, this was a five-star recruit that initially started at Nebraska with Scott Frost, wound up transfer to Kentucky. Will Levy started at Penn State, transferred to Kentucky, throwing him the ball. So uh, Chris Rodriguez, holdover from the dynamic backfield of Asim Rose and Chris Rodriguez last year. Now it's all Chris Rodriguez, This who, by the way, is the probably most underrated or under running back in, in the college game. But anyway, Wandel Robinson, draft eligible this year. Maybe, you know, if he gets some good uh, reports and and good uh, insight on where his possible draft spot might be, if if he is guaranteed he's going to be a third rounder, he might go out this year, but... I also think there's a good shot at him returning to Kentucky for a senior season, especially if you think a guy like Taj Harris might transfer from Syracuse there and give him a a running mate, if you will, that can make this offense just even that much more dynamic and explosive and more passing. Um, So Wondell Robinson does a little bit of everything. He's kind of in that Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel mold where – you can basically run him in every route and also use him as a running back, you know, run some screens for him, everything like that. So, Wandell Robinson definitely an exciting player and finally starting to be blossom into what the hype was when he left high school to enter college. So, we'll see what happens there. And finally, another bonus name Jacob Cowing at UTEP, the senior. Highly productive this year. And again, like Devin Tompkins, just week in and week out, putting up consistent production. So another name to watch in Jacob Cowing. So I just gave you 17 names. You know, based on my research going over the last 15-plus 15 15 drafts, an average of 32 wide receivers are going to be drafted. So you got to figure out what those 32 are going to be. I just gave you 17, which I all think will clearly be in those 32. Where they get sorted, I'm not entirely sure yet, but that's why I said this is the toughest position for me to dissect at this point in the season because there's so many intangibles that happen. It's not just purely a statistical production measure that you can account for with the wide receivers. It's also their testing skills. Uh, it, it, there's there's just too much going on uh, to say right now after six games. This is the, the bar none, one, two, three, four, et cetera. So hopefully that helped you a little bit with the – Position Give you a little bit more depth, a little bit more understanding of it. Uh, if you have any questions on anybody specifically, don't hesitate to at me or leave it in the comments. I'm, I'm happy to uh, answer your questions, whether it be on one of these episodes or through a tweet or an email, whatever you want. But um, hopefully that helped you a little bit. All right. So before we get into the Power 10 and the Pick 6, how about another word from another one of our great sponsors? This one coming to you from Symbol Exchange another one you should definitely be checking out and these are the reasons why the stock market is tried and true and nfts are the latest rage in digital currency so what's better than combining this with your love for the sports world simply put nothing symbol exchange allows you to take ownership in your favorite franchises from the nfl to the nba major league baseball and now even college football as well symbol exchange allows you to buy trade and sell shares of these franchises in their marketplace Additionally, your teams will accrue real cash with every victory they achieve in real life. Two ways for your franchise to appreciate and value. XTB is so excited to partner with Symbol and we'd love for you to see them for yourself that we are giving you a free year subscription to all of our advanced stats, databases, and tools. That's a free $40 value when you deposit $25 or more into a new Symbol Exchange account. So what are you waiting for? Go to symbol.app to check them out for yourselves, and don't forget to use the code XTB when you make a deposit for a bonus gift from us right here at Expand the Score. All right, let's get into what might be my favorite part of the show, and that's my Power 10. If you've been paying attention, this is not to be gimmicky, but I truly believe in rewarding teams that handle their business and not to penalize them for it. So that said, there are still 13 undefeated teams in FBS college football play, So my list doesn't include one-loss powers like Alabama, Ohio State, and Penn State, you know, just as an example. I like to reward the teams that are undefeated because they're handling their business. So you can say what you will about their schedule. You can say what you will about their conference. You can say what you will about their opponents. Whatever you want to make the argument for, they're doing everything in their power that they can. So as long as there's 13 undefeated teams and as long as I'm doing a power 10 – I'm going to find a spot for the undefeated teams before I start diving into the one-loss teams. Of course, on any given day, 99 out of 100 times, you put Alabama against Coastal Carolina, Alabama's probably going to wipe the floor with them. But Coastal Carolina is a legit program. They are 6 and 0. They are handling their business. I'm going to get into them in a little bit and why they are in my top 10, but let's run through it. I had already bumped Georgia up to number 1 last week before Alabama lost, so No need to, you know, convince me that they're the number one team in the nation. I think everybody's in agreement. They need to concentrate this week versus Kentucky. Then they'll have Florida after that. And then they have a cakewalk for the rest of their year. So definitely think they're going to finish undefeated. Definitely think this is our eventual national champion. But Kentucky definitely can be a thorn in their side this week. And they can't overlook either Kentucky for Florida or get you know, have a letdown after Kentucky because both Florida and Kentucky can bite them. So uh, they need to remain poised for these next two weeks before they can kind of feel a little bit better about themselves. Number two, Iowa. They're also 6-0. and Controversial win against Penn State this week. Obviously, Penn State lost Sean Clifford. They're, I've been marveling about how much Sean Clifford's grown up as the quarterback for the Nittany Lions, but he goes down with the injury Iowa Iowa kind of thrives from that point forward, takes the lead, doesn't look back. And a lot of people are questioning, well, is Iowa really that good? Should they be the number two team in the nation? You know, Penn State would have beat them with the healthy Clifford. I'm not really so sure about that. I think if you think along those lines, you're not giving Iowa their, their due credit and their just respect. This team has been dominant. They were the number three defense in the nation coming in to the week with Penn State being number four. Um, this wasn't, you know, this wasn't a give me. This wasn't a fluke. This was going to be a slugfest. I thought it was going to be under, and that was an anemic 40-point line. So uh, this was definitely something like this does not surprise me that Iowa won. So if you want to make the excuse, oh well, Penn State lost their starting quarterback. Sure, you can make it, but I don't think it would have mattered. I think Iowa still would have won. They were the home team. Uh, you know, it might have been a little closer. Is all it would have been. But make no mistake about it, Iowa should be the number two team in the nation. Number three. Got to give it to Cincinnati, six and zero now. No letdowns after that Notre Dame win. They shredded Temple. I was watching this game live. It was on. Uh, was it Thursday night or Friday night? It looked like Temple was in on the fix. I mean, they muffed two punts within like their own uh, within like their own ten yard line and gave the ball right to Cincinnati. Um, really, just did not. They looked either like they were in on the in on the game, in on the line, or they were just completely like. You know, uh, completely intimidated, like they saw Mike Tyson coming out of the dressing room. So uh, they shredded Temple. They should win out. Cincinnati has passed the test they needed to pass to this point. They're in the driver's seat. They're exactly where they needed to be. They've bumped up to number three. Let me just double check. I have at number three in my personal rankings. I'm pretty sure that's where they're at. That's where they're at in the national rankings. And, yeah, sure enough, the AP has them number three as well. Coaches poll has them four. Uh, we still don't you know, to know what know the computers are, are going to be uh, dictating yet, but that's exactly where they need to be. And they can easily win out. They win out. They're going to be in the playoffs. So we might finally get to see what we've wanted to see for the last couple of years. One of these smaller programs, the UCFs, the Cincinnati's, the Coastals, the Liberties that maintain an undefeated season get invited to the big dance. So hopefully – I should say get invited to the big dance without having to extend the big dance to six or eight teams. So I'm excited for this and I hope the Bearcats can do what they have to do and we can see that happen. All right, number four, Oklahoma. I got them at number four. This team feels vulnerable every week, but the QB change just made them better. I went over the whole thing with Spencer Rattler at the beginning. It's amazing to say that a team that had – the number the presumptive number 1 overall pick in the draft at quarterback is actually going to be better with its replacement at quarterback than they were with the guy who started the season and this team is already undefeated at 6 and 0 so the defense is still suspect the defense is still vulnerable but i think this team now offensively gets it into gear and starts having some of these blowout wins that we anticipated. Don't forget, they, they've barely been winning each week. It's been by one score or less for four straight weeks now. So uh, I think that changes, though. I think going forward, Oklahoma now becomes more of the dominant team. And they, too, are in the driver's seat in the four spot. So uh, they should be able to be in the playoff if they can handle their business. Number five, I have Kentucky at number five at 6-0. and uh, I mean, I feel disrespected for them. That the AP has them at 11, as do the coaches. What more do they need to do to prove to you that they should be in the top 10 at the very least? Maybe not at five where I have them, but listen, they're going to be a thorn in Georgia's side. If they can get through Georgia, they have a chance to run the table in the SEC. If they can beat Georgia and they run the table, this is a playoff team. This is a possible championship team if they can beat Georgia. I mean, you can't say that about everybody. You could say certain teams might upset Georgia and just get lucky on one particular day. That could happen. Teams could have a letdown. But you can't say all of them are capable of beating Georgia and are capable of beating all of their opponents. You can make that argument for Kentucky. I know a lot of people aren't ready to believe that because a lot of people don't see Kentucky as a football school. But make no mistake about it. This team is legit. This team is deep. This team is for real. So don't turn the sets off on Saturday. This this is going to be or should be a better matchup with Georgia and Kentucky than the two matchups we've seen in the previous weeks with Georgia and their opponents, which on paper look better than what this one is. So highlight it, star it, whatever you got to do. Make sure you're checking out the Kentucky-Georgia game this week. All right. Number six, Michigan, 6-0. and They have at Michigan State and at Penn State, and then they host Ohio State in the finale. Something's going to happen here in the Big Ten that's going to cancel each other out. I have Michigan at 6, Michigan State at 7, at 6-0. and um, Ohio State's not even in my top ten because of that one loss, you know, everything I said at the beginning. So between Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State, they all play some collection of each other and Penn State in that mix who's also not going anywhere with their with their one loss now to Iowa. So whichever one of these teams can, can fight through that muck, they're going to have a really credible schedule and strength of schedule. So we could easily see one of these Michigan programs accelerate and vault themselves into that top four consideration. And that's really what we're aiming for here, right? Top four, top four. That's it. Until we expand to six or eight or 12 or however many teams you want in the playoff, we're looking for that top four. And Michigan and Michigan State both have every opportunity to lay claim to that stake. To lay stake to that claim? How do you say that expression? You know what I mean. All right, number eight, Oklahoma State. They've only played five games, 5-0. and Mostly unranked left on their schedule, but they don't have an easy schedule by any stretch of the imagination. I also don't think Oklahoma State is as talented as their record would indicate right now, but we'll see how it plays out. I do have to give them the nod, though, 5-0. and Number nine Wake Forest six and0 team. I don't know if a lot of people realize that, but they're off this week. They're kind of squeaking by. they play a kind of grind out style. They have a three-headed attack at the running back position. Uh, they have a, a a pretty good quarterback in Hartman who's you know good game manager. They have a tough schedule coming up but they're six and0 to this point. I think they're a much better team than people recognize or realize. I don't think they can win out, but I do think they're going to be a 10-2 and two kind of team that people are going to be like, wow, that was a better Demon Deacons than we thought it was. And then finally, number 10, as I mentioned, Coastal Carolina. They're undefeated. They're 6-0. They should be able to run the table. They should be able to make a case. Their average margin of victory is 33.8 points per contest. This is a team that's not just squeaking by. It's not just feasting off of cupcakes. They're blowing them out. So you have to weigh that into some type of consideration. Uh, Grayson McCall is going to be a top five quarterback, if not higher, when he decides to enter the draft, whenever that may be. So don't overlook Coastal Carolina. They also have arguably the top tight end in the country in Isaiah Likely. So this is a team with talent. Just because you know, we we kind of scoff at the name Coastal Carolina, like who are they? It seems like a gimmick. It seems you know, like a, a CFL team playing in the CFB. But, no, this is a legit program that's doing it for multiple years now and has legit high-end talent behind it. And, like I said, they're not just squeaking by people. They're blowing them out. 33.8 is a very high margin of victory. So, yes, that should solidify who they are. All right, that was my updated Power 10. Just to run through it again, real quick. I got Georgia, then Iowa, number three, Cincinnati, and number four, Oklahoma. I got Kentucky at five, Michigan at six, and Michigan at state at seven, then Oklahoma State at eight, Wake Forest at nine, rounded out by Coastal Carolina at 10. The updated People's Pen Power 10 for week six. All right, what do you say we get into the week seven pick six? And uh last week I didn't fare so well. If you go back two weeks ago, my picks on the week for week five were twenty and seven. That was a seventy-four percent accuracy. Uh last week we were only at 44%. We went fifteen and nineteen in week six. Uh I'm not really thrilled about that. But if you combine the two, still fifty-seven percent success, thirty-five and twenty-six over the last two weeks. I'm confident we're going to get it back. I believe in the system. I trust the process. So hopefully you do as well. Let's get into things. These are my highlighted six games of the week. If you hear my daughter in the back, she's starting to wake up from her nap a little. So there's a little moaning, groaning. Believe me, it's not at these picks. It's not at these games. It's just because it's that time of the day for her. So let's try to roll through this as we wrap up this week's episode. All right. I got UCF Central Florida at number 3 Cincinnati. This is coming in at noon on ABC on Saturday. Cincinnati currently uh, a 19 and a half point favorite. The total is 57.5. I'm going Cincinnati. I think they need to continue making statements. I think they've handled the test. I think Notre Dame was the 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 boogeyman on their schedule, if you will. Uh, what they did to Temple last week. Uh, I mean, Central Florida is a better program than Temple. But Cincinnati is, if, if they want to be a playoff team, which I do believe they are, I think they were last year as well, they have to win these games big. And three touchdowns is not too much to ask for this program. So I do think they can cover the 19 and a half. I will roll with Cincinnati this week. Number two, number 12, Oklahoma State, and number 25, Texas. This is on Saturday At noon on Fox. And by the way, if you're confused when I just told you Oklahoma State was number 8 in my power 10, and now I'm referring to them as number 12 Oklahoma State, that's their national ranking, number 12. My power 10 is totally different than the national ranking. So in case that wasn't already clear, hopefully now it is. But number 12 Oklahoma State at number 25 Texas, Saturday, 12 noon on Fox. Texas is the favorite at 5.5, total 61. Man, another... Another game that Texas kind of let slip away from them. They should have beat Oklahoma last week. They get a chance to beat Oklahoma State this week, take down another undefeated team. I do think Texas is the better program. I do think they should have won last week. I was surprised they lost to Oklahoma. Uh, I think they rebound in a nice way. I think they can win by a touchdown. I think 5.5 is too low of a line, so I'm going to take the Longhorns in this one. I like them as a home favorite. All right, number three, number 11, Kentucky, at number one, Georgia. Game of the week. Has to be the game of the week. 330 on CBS. Usually CBS gets, you know, the, the big dogs. And I say that because they have the SEC, right? So uh there we go. now uh, my my pledge my allegiance to the Southeastern Conference. All right, number eleven, Kentucky, number one, Georgia. The spread. I don't get this. It's twenty three and a half in favor of Georgia. Just to be clear, Georgia two weeks ago were 18 and a half point favorites against Arkansas who everybody was in love with at the time. Last week, that margin dropped to 14.5 when they faced uh, Auburn. Now, it jumps to 23.5 for them to host Kentucky, who is easily the best program of the three that they faced in the last three weeks. So, when you look at Arkansas, 18.5, you look at Auburn, 14.5, and they were on the road uh, at Auburn, and they were at home in 1st Arkansas, I mean, I don't get this line at all. It's twenty three and a half in favor of Georgia. I get it. They're good. I get it. They're talented. I get it. They should win. They should be Kentucky. But as I said, Kentucky is better than people want to give credit for. I'm easily taking Kentucky with those twenty three and a half points. Easily. Sign me up all day for lines like this. I don't know that Kentucky can win, but I do believe they have a shot to. And if they have a shot to, then it should definitely be within. Three touchdowns. So give me the 23 and a half all day of the week. All right, number four, Purdue. at number two, Iowa. This is on ABC at 330. Current line is Iowa minus 11 and a half. The total is 44. Purdue has some talent offensively, not going to lie, but they're just not that good of a team. Not in Iowa's caliber. Iowa should roll. I easily expect them to win by two touchdowns. And... If they're you know, listening to any of the chatter of, oh, you got lucky, you escaped a victory without Sean Clifford last week, you didn't deserve it, blah, 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 well, then they're going to come out with something to prove, and I think two touchdowns is, is in their wheelhouse, so I like Iowa minus 11.5. Fifth game of the week, Pittsburgh at Virginia Tech. This is a, also a 330. This is on ESPN2. Pittsburgh minus six favorite. Uh, I saw Damian Parson, a friend on Twitter, Good, uh, good follow, especially for running backs, uh, especially if you're into the college, you know, scene and the draft process. Uh, Dame is definitely a good, a good follow. But he was asking, where are we at with Kenny Pickett? This is Kenny Pickett's first real test. Uh, his numbers have been phenomenal. He's up to seventy-two percent completions this year. We've seen dramatic leaps in recent years at the quarterback position in college. When I mean, you look at Joe Burrow, uh, you can even throw Mac Jones into that picture. We've seen some others as well. Kenny Pickett's kind of making that same type of leap. Here's where I have an issue with it. He's a 50-year senior. He's basically feasted off of inferior opponents to this point, and his schedule is pretty brutal going forward as it's all ACC opponents uh, starting with Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech, which is no easy place to play. This is a, a, a significant home field advantage that the Hokies hold. This is Pickett's first real test. They've been putting plenty of points on the board, uh, so that 57 total I'm okay with that I think it can go over that I'm fine I think Virginia Tech can score I think Pittsburgh can give up points I also think Pittsburgh can put points on the board So I don't think Pittsburgh's going to win I think this is going to be A loss for them I do think Virginia Tech's going to take them If you want to take the money line I don't know what the odds are I didn't look them up But pretty favorable I'm sure If uh, Virginia Tech is uh, Six point underdogs But I definitely like the total here And going over 57 So There you have it this is going to tell us a lot about Kenny Pickett and it's going to lead in transition perfectly into next week's episode when we talk about quarterbacks, because he's certainly one we need to dissect and discuss. I uh, also want to talk with Jim Nagy when he comes on about that, because he's somebody he's really you know starting to toot his horn a little bit, uh, somebody who's really taking strides this year, somebody we expect to see at the Senior Bowl, so he's definitely going to be under the microscope, but this is his first real big test this week, so... If you if you're interested in Kenny Pickett and what he could be as a pro, tune in Saturday on ESPN2 at 3:30 for that game. And then number six, rounding out my pick six, my sixth pick of the week, Louisiana Tech at UTEP, 9 p.m. ESPN Plus barely televised this game. Why do I have it on the schedule? Louisiana Tech's a seven-point favorite, 55-point total. Only really reason I have it is because of who I mentioned a wide receiver before, and Jacob Cowing. Uh, The UTEP wide receiver has been pretty, pretty phenomenal all year from a production and consistency standpoint. I do think UTEP is a better team than Louisiana Tech. Just consider this. Louisiana Tech is 2-3, albeit 1-0 in Conference USA play. UTEP's 5-1. They've also won their first two games in Conference USA play. CUSA has changed up a little bit with who's been at the top in recent years. UTEP isn't really one of those names that's been known in that conference, but they're one of the better teams in this conference right now. They have a stud at the receiver position. They're able to put points on the board. Uh, They're the home team. Uh, You know, this line is another one of these that don't make sense to me. I think UTEP should be the favorite. However, they're they're underdogs by almost a full touchdown at minus 6.5. So sign me up for UTEP with the points. I'd even go as far as taking the money line there. But to play it safe, we'll just say UTEP plus 7. How about that? All right, so that's going to round out my sixth pick of the week. If you missed it, Central Florida at Cincinnati, I'm taking Cincinnati minus 19 and a half. Oklahoma State at Texas, I'm taking Texas minus five and a half. Kentucky at Georgia, I'm taking Kentucky plus 23 and a half. Purdue at Iowa, I'm taking Iowa minus 11 and a half. Pittsburgh at Virginia Tech, I'm taking Virginia Tech with the money line, and I'm also looking at the over 57 in this one. And finally, Louisiana Tech at UTEP, I'm taking UTEP plus seven, or even with the money line, uh, depending on what you get it at. So, I don't know. Call your shot. Hashtag it. Call your shot. At me on Twitter with the hashtag. Call your shot. Let me know who your biggest dog of the week is that you're laying your claim to. Don't forget, I'm on iTunes. or We're on iTunes. This show is on iTunes. This show is me, so I guess it's fair to say I'm on iTunes. Uh, Don't forget to check out our sponsors, Thrive Fantasy and Symbol Exchange. Also, don't forget, please go check out these stats at Expand the Box score Go see it for yourself. There's a, a three-day trial. You can f- feel around, get a feel for it, and see if you like it before you commit to the full year. It's five bucks for the three-day trial. It's really well worth it. Uh, if you don't like it, I'll give you a full money-back guarantee. So go check it out. If you don't like it, at me on Twitter or send an email to expandtheboxscore at gmail.com and tell me, hey, I signed up for the trial. I didn't like it at all. I didn't like what you, 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 you promised, um, so I want my money back. I'm happy to do it, but I'm pretty sure I can guarantee you'll like it. Go check it out. That's going to do it for this week. Um, Yeah, leave a review, give a rating, tell a friend, and come back next week. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. to freeze when these people talk too much but that shit is slow motion yeah i feel like an astronaut in the ocean she said that i'm cool right. i'm like yeah that's true. that's true i believe in god I don't believe in thot she keep playing me dumb i'ma play